You're listening to the Peak Performance Podcast with Dr. Robert Barton. As a chiropractor for over 24 years and the founder of Peak Performance Spine and Sports Medicine, Dr. Barton is here to help you reach your personal peak performance by discussing topics that impact your long-term health. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Peak Performance Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Robert Barton. In today's episode, we're going to discuss what chiropractors actually do. And this is an interesting discussion because I've been a chiropractor now for 23 years at the time of this recording. And I have to admit, when I first started practicing, I didn't really understand what we did. And I didn't understand it in a way that made me feel comfortable. So everything I do today and have done for a a number of years, many, many years now, over a decade, is in line and in keeping with what I am comfortable with from a philosophical standpoint. And so I would like to share this perspective with you, give you a little bit of background on some things, because I feel like this profession, you know, the chiropractic profession, I feel like it's come a long way from where it was when I first started practicing. However, there's still a lot of misunderstanding, I feel, within the public, with other medical professionals. I just feel like it's not well understood what we actually do. So a little bit of background on myself. When I was a kid, uh, we weren't sick very much, and my mom tended to take us to chiropractors. We saw chiropractic doctors way more than we saw regular doctors, and I really didn't understand the difference. And I decided I wanted to be a healthcare provider of some sort, a doctor of some sort, when I was a junior in high school, and I really was only exposed to chiropractors. So I decided that's what I wanted to do. I felt like it would afford a nice lifestyle. I would be able to you know, help people with the things that we help people with. And I just didn't really understand exactly what it all entailed, especially from a philosophical standpoint. So I got on track and I I went to chiropractic school and I began to learn more about, you know, this chiropractic philosophy. So that philosophy is basically this. Chiropractors, they started in 1895 or so. And they, and I would argue that they didn't really understand what we were doing back then. You know, we didn't have a lot of technology to really understand what was going on within the body physiologically. They didn't understand all the physiology either. So I would say what happens is, you know, and and I've seen this to be the case many times over the years of, of seeing patients, you do things to people and the thing that they came in for gets better. However, they also get better with a couple of other things that maybe they didn't expect. And and certainly I've seen that to be true. Possibly allergies, maybe maybe their sinuses open up, just weird things, uh, maybe some numbness. I mean, that's actually kind of common that numbness would resolve and, and things of that nature. But the bottom line is that they would have some resolution of some other symptom they weren't really expecting. And The way I explain that to patients is, you know, if you get better with something that we didn't expect, we'll take it. Uh, We're not treating that problem. We treat what we treat, which I'm going to get into here in a second. But we, you know, we'll take any kind of, you know, spontaneous resolution of a problem. But I'm certainly not going to go out and say that we treat these problems that aren't kind of 
and synonymous with what we actually do to people. And the chiropractic philosophy, as it was taught to me, and uh, as a lot of the profession continues to you know, subscribe to, would indicate that there's a lot of conditions that we can treat and that are positively affected with chiropractic care. And I generally, as a general rule, I feel that health and being healthy is just a multifaceted effort. There's a lot of things that a person can do for themselves to quote unquote be healthy or promote health. You know, they can have a healthy weight. They can monitor their blood pressure to make sure that's at good levels. You can do strength training and cardiovascular training, and you can maintain your musculoskeletal system in the ways that, that we help people with. And you can, you know, maintain your teeth and the health of your teeth and your mouth and then your gut. I mean, your, your mental health. I mean, balancing your time. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that go into being a healthy individual and living at what I call your peak performance that, you know, we're a component of that, but certainly not the majority of that. And so part of this podcast's purpose is to actually identify some of those things and kind of give you information as it as I feel that helps you live a better life because I do think it's so multifaceted. And there are certainly things that I do to patients that help them live a better life when they come in. However, there's a lot of things that you need to do for yourself to help you be healthier. So I digress. So the chiropractic philosophy that was explained and taught to me while I was in school goes something like this. Uh, the nervous system is the source of all, you know, kind of activity or, or signals to the body, both going to the body and coming from the body to the brain. And if there is any kind of an abnormality with that flow, it would affect a person's health. So if you have a irritated nerve through the middle part of your back and those nerves go to your internal organs, you would potentially have a disruption of your organ health, if you will, from having this irritation in the spine. Uh, or if it was in the low back and you had a some sort of a problem in the low back, of course you could have low back pain and you might have pain into your leg even, but it could also affect other organs such as your bladder and so on and so forth. And so I'm sure there is some, you know, effect on the bladder, the colon, you know, things of that nature. I just personally haven't seen a huge correlation to treating a person with low back pain and you know their their bladder magically behaves more or they or they start using the restroom better from a bowel movement standpoint so when i was in school that was the message and i feel like that message is still taught to this day but the students that, that come out of school they don't seem to be programmed with the same level of quote unquote chiropractic philosophy as they were when i went to school and certainly before i was going to school and I don't know if I completed this thought, but I feel like in the, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago when people are practicing, you know, these chiropractors are practicing and they would see that, you know, some things would spontaneously recover, then they begin to put these two and two together and then they would, they built a philosophy that kind of explained that, you know, that it wasn't necessarily based in science. It was just based on, on observation. 
in my 23 years of practice, and I've been very busy, uh, thankfully, and, and taking care of just tens of thousands of people over that time period, I have not really noticed that. And so I began to develop a philosophy, and I needed a framework that would allow me to judge whether or not a person needed to be seen or did not need to be seen. And I give an analogy a lot as it relates to dentistry because, you know, if you went to go clean your teeth, you know, once a month, for example, it probably wouldn't hurt them, but it's probably not going to help them either because they're probably not that dirty yet to need to be cleaned at that deep level if you're doing you know, daily self-care, brushing your teeth, flossing, that type of thing. But they're probably not going to need to be deep cleaned every single month. Now, if you waited for five years, then even at with your best effort, if you're flossing, brushing daily, you still need to have deep cleanings because you just can't get to all of the areas of the teeth that need to be addressed. And so you go to the dentist and they have, you know, scraping tools and they have polishing tools and so on and so forth. And they can clean it at, at a deeper level. So it's kind of what we do when we, when we treat patients periodically. The question then becomes, well, often do you need to see a patient to help them, but not see them so often that you're not helping them, you know, because they don't need it yet. And so I began to develop a philosophy where, in my opinion, and this gets to the crux of the episode, what we do as, as chiropractors, and certainly what I feel like I do, is I treat stiffness. And there are several natural processes the body goes through in order to, in, you know, as, as you go through life. And one of those natural processes is, is we naturally get stiffer as time goes on. Our joints get stiffer, our muscles get stiffer. Another process that we go through is we naturally get weaker. We don't fight this process in terms of strength training or being active, then we do get weaker. In fact, if you take a perfectly healthy person, lay them in a bed for 30 days, they've actually done studies on this, they decondition at a very dramatic rate. And hospital patients know this as well. If you go into the hospital for something and you're in bed and literally don't get up very much, you decondition very quickly. So consequently, we treat stiffness. That's what I feel that we do. Another natural process that we go through as humans is we get what I call wobbly. That means that our nervous system degrades over time and we, uh, we become a little bit shaky with regard to our balance. Of course, that happens much later in life, but if you can do things to maintain your balance over the age of about 50, then you'll maintain your balance for longer. And so the point is that, you know, humans go through a number of natural processes and you're not going to win the war, but you can fight the battle and you can basically kind of prolong or push along the early manifestation of some of these natural processes. And that's part of, you know, living at your peak performance. It's, it's the ability to have habits that are small things that you do, you know, possibly each and every day, that build up to a, a big result later on. It's a compounding effect. And when we talk about treating stiffness and what chiropractors actually do, well, we get stiff in our joints. We get stiff in our soft tissues. What happens to the spine is it can, it can cause the spine to be stiffer than it should be. That causes extra pressure to be on the joints themselves and on the discs. You know, the discs are two-part structures. They have this inner squishy part. We call that the nucleus pulposus. And it has an annulus that holds that nucleus in. So it's almost like a jelly donut. And when you're younger and in normal physiology, 
when you lay down at night to go to bed, there's a little bit of alleviation of pressure on these discs and you your body pushes fluid into the disc and they sort of recharge for the next day. In fact, when you're younger, you're actually a little taller. You stand a little taller in the morning than you do in the evening. And that's because the discs are sort of recharged. And people certainly go through a degenerative process in their disc. And that is a natural process. It can be accelerated by certain things such as injuries, uh, certain things you do for a living. Maybe if you sit and drive a dump truck, which just tends to be very bouncy, for example, you would put a, a lot of excessive stress, you know, loading stress on the disc and it can cause it to, you know, degenerate early. There are also genetic factors that can cause your disc to de degenerate early. The bottom line is, its natural physiology is that when, there, when there's less pressure on the disc, the, the body actually pushes water into the disc. It doesn't have any vessels in it. It's a process of diffusion because there's other substances other than water. So that's by definition diffusion. And, when, and we can lose that process or that process can downregulate when there's excessive pressure on your disc. And that can happen when your spine has an asymmetric posture. So the muscles on one side of the spine can literally get tighter than the muscles on the other side of the spine. It throws it out of symmetric balance. And then those muscles actually go run up and down for the most part, you know, head to toe or head to behind. And that increases the pressure on, say, your low back discs. And so now you're stiff. We get stiff rotationally. We can get stiff and all the different planes of motion, so flexion or bending forward, extension or bending backward, lateral flexion, bending to the right or to the left, those can get stiff. The individual joints themselves get stiff, and the muscles that connect it all together get stiff and out of balance. And so, for example, if a person lays on the table and their right leg looks shorter than their left leg, it doesn't mean it's shorter. It means it looks shorter. You can have a short leg, but it's actually kind of rare. That is usually because there, is, there are muscles in and around your pelvis and core that are actually asymmetrically tight. So they'll be tighter on the right than on the left and say your hip flexor or your psoas muscle. And that will put a torque or a twist into your pelvis that creates increased stress kind of throughout your low back. And, uh, and, and pelvis area. And that can manifest in so many different ways. It can manifest as low back pain. It can manifest as IT band pain, the, the, the band that goes down the side of the leg. It can be, uh, it can manifest in, in kind of accelerating the degenerative process of your facets and or your disc. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And so when people come in and, and I'm looking for stiffness, I'm looking for symmetry, and I find that, and I and I res reset that. I use that word a lot. I'm all, really, all I'm doing is I'm resetting the natural flexibility that should be there. But if I reset that, and then a patient comes back sometime in the future, and I can and I look at them, and that's better. I have a way that I that I track all that data. There's actually like 13 things that I can track on a patient and write down. Essentially, we have a computer you know, system that does this, but we write it down and we track it. And there are things like equal leg lengths or are their leg lengths equal? And that's a visual uh, assessment. But, you know, when you do it all day, every day, you can, you can start picking up subtle leg length abnormalities. And then when people come in and they're just dead on, it looks absolutely perfect and they feel good. And then when you check the other things, such as do they have pelvic distortion? That means is there, does their pelvis look off? 
Do they have tight muscles in their lumbar spine on the right versus the left? Do they have a tight hip flexor on the right versus the left or a tight hamstring on the right versus the left? All these things we look at to determine how the person is doing biomechanically, how symmetrical are they, how flexible are they, and when do they need to be seen again? Because another philosophy that I never really understood or or particularly agreed with was the idea that we should see a person once per month. You know, once per month, again, relating back to the dentistry analogy that I gave, once per month is a little bit too often. If you're not stiff yet, and if we adjust you or go through that process to reset your flexibility, but you weren't really that inflexible, is it going to hurt you? No, I don't think so. But is it going to help you? Perhaps it it wouldn't. It wouldn't help you very much because you're not that stiff. Now, let's just fast forward a little bit longer. Let's go like three months, for example. And then when a person comes in, and I do this for literally thousands of people that I have in our patient population that come every three, four, or six months. And, And that can kind of vary a little bit by person as well, depending on different factors, how old they are what kind of previous injuries they've had, what are their genetic predispositions towards stiffness, how flexible are they. I mean, there's literally more factors than I can probably identify. But the point is that the frequency of checkups can vary over time. But when a person comes in and they have, they lay down and they're feeling maybe a little bit of tightness in their back, And we see that there's some biomechanical change, like a little bit of a right short leg, a little bit of a left short hip flexor, a little bit of right-sided lumbar paraspinal or lumbar low back muscle tightness. When you put all that together and we reset that, we've just done something that the person can't do for themselves. And I certainly do recommend people participate in activities such as yoga or working out or core stretching and strengthening, all those things because they're promoting flexibility and probably more importantly, a symmetrical flexibility. And certainly yoga is very good about that because if they're doing some of the work themselves and then they come in and get checked and I can do the little bit of extra that they can't do, then that's very beneficial for people. And I've certainly seen that to be true. So compared to the early days where I was trying to figure out how to operate within this chiropractic philosophy where it was all about the nervous system and ridding the body of subluxations. That's a word used in chiropractic to to kind of identify the spinal segment that had the problem that was causing an interference in nerve flow. That's, that's what it was called. I actually don't use that word very often because I don't really like it. In medical terms, a subluxation is a partial dislocation of a joint So a luxation is a full dislocation of the joint. So a subluxation being a partial, it doesn't necessarily translate over into the chiropractic definition because in chiropractic, it has to do with nervous system function. So there you have it. Uh, There is a comparison of what some chiropractors do versus what I do. And I have friends that kind of practice within the same paradigm where they're treating something that's more objective. Uh, stiffness is really what you boil it down to. You know, patients don't get up in the morning and say, oh my gosh, I'm I'm so subluxated. I need to get in and, and get rid of these subluxations. They don't even know what that is for the most part. But they may get up in the morning and say, oh my goodness, my back is very stiff. 
you know, this is stiffer than it has been in the last few weeks and I need to get in and, and get that reset or I need to get in, I need to go see Dr. Barton or Dr. Whoever and, and have that addressed. And when we do that effectively, I feel that we help people live at a, at a higher level at their peak performance. And I'm very thankful for that because if I did not have that philosophy, I would not have a framework that I would be completely comfortable with. But I absolutely enjoy seeing people that, that need to be seen because they feel the symptom. And I love being able to see people and do those checkups and then give them a report of how their body is kind of holding up over that interval. And, and people tend to be very, you know, they're, they're very interested in hearing that assessment, that 13-point assessment, so to speak. So I'm very thankful that probably over 10 years ago, I, I developed the, uh, the system that I'm still using today, and it's, it's worked very well. So I hope that this has given you some insight on what chiropractors actually do. I've given you some information on what other chiropractors do, and then what I think is a more modern interpretation of what we're doing for our patients. And um, of course, if you know other health conditions kind of get better mysteriously, fantastic, we'll take that. But other health conditions can get better by just living a healthier lifestyle as well. And we know that to be true. It has nothing to do with, you know, cracking the spine or, you know, treating subluxations or, or things of that nature. But hopefully this gives you a little bit of insight on what I do versus what the old chiropractic philosophy uh, has been. And with that, I will talk to you in the next episode. I hope you are doing well. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast with Dr. Robert Barton. Visit Peak Performance Spine and Sports Medicine at peakclinics.com. That's peakclinics.com. Thanks again for listening.